Hello and welcome to episode 151 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Joining me as always is the splendiferous League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Splendiferous, apparently. That sounds like something that you would, uh, you know, swab and you'd put it into a Petri dish and you'd find that somebody had splendiferous on them and they needed to be isolated. Or it's a type of pine tree. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, actually. It's been a busy few days. Yeah. Uh, it's well, funny because it's been a busy few days in Rugby League's media cycle mm, and nothing's happened. It's, it's interesting. I think what we're seeing at the moment from the media mm. is panic. Yeah. The, okay. It's it's funny they've got no fucking ideas. Um, they've got that show that was on Fox Sports tonight. I, I think it's called Fox Fox League Live, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And they they interviewed Paul Kent on there, mm-hmm. and he's in front of his library that contains about two rugby league books. Oh, really? What were the other books? Uh, there's one from Phil Jackson. I think yeah. the two rugby league books were just quotes from um, Jack Gibson. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So he's an expert. Yeah, well, you know, when you when you know as much about rugby league as Paul Kent does, do you really need to read more about it? Well, I guess that that is the case. Um, yeah. I, I assumed that that knowledge was acquired from somewhere. Yeah. Piers, she was just born with it. Yeah, well, I would guess that that's how a lot of the rugby league journos feel, hey? They've yeah. just got some divine, you know, they've been touched by a higher power to have all of these this knowledge about the game that they hate. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is a brilliant way to get us into our first topic here. Yeah, let's the divine do it. power. Yeah. Um, Matthew Johns. Oh, he's decided to impart his divine power and magnificent mm-hmm. mind with us. We, Another well, we both, we both know the rule. When Matthew John suggests something, it's wrong. Run. Yeah. <laughs> do not do it. Yeah. Um, so he's come out with an idea, brace mm-hmm. yourself, okay. that either Wayne Bennett or Phil Gould should replace Todd Greenberg as CEO. Yeah, I mean, I can see where he's coming from. They're both old football coaches. And, I mean, you know, who better than to run a multi-billion dollar entertainment sport property than a couple of old footy coaches? That would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, Has Gus really had that great a time when he was, you know, CEO of the role it was he had at at the Panthers? Well, he was the general manager. General so, manager. There we go. Yeah. Um, How did the chances well, go in, in the whole overall scheme of things? Financially, were finances up and better improved? I, I, I will say this. He definitely came in and did a job because the Panthers were in a really bad place and they needed a, a really big clean out, and he managed to do that. And then he, um, cleaned, he cleaned out the clean the replacements he had when his first clean out. 
Yeah. And then he was... cleaned out that clean out. <laughs> Exactly. And then he cleaned out the cleaned out, cleaned out, cleaned out. Yep, and then it's it's kind of like Ivan, an unfinished. Oh, so then Ivan Cleary had to come in and start cleaning that out. Yeah, but the good thing is that he has wrapped up uh, our coach and our best young player up basically so that if one leaves, they will both leave and so that we have to keep both on for mm. forever. So yeah, it's, it's a, a good, good situation. situation we're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, anytime you can basically have one giant issue at the club, you've got to take it, you know. I also think that Phil Gould did bring in a regime across the league where you, you sign someone for as many years as you want because it doesn't matter because you'll tell them to leave the club after two years. And so there's quite a bit of our salary cap that is playing at other clubs still, thanks to Gus. So, Good work, yeah. Gus. And, and based on the way Gus talks now about the game, I've got a feeling that he'll he'll bring in some magnificent revamps for the future, like, uh, let's see, contested scrums, clubs relying on pokies for income, um, probably bring back smoking at games. Chook raffles. Chook raffles. Oh, raffles. Got yeah. Good. Um, probably want to start using um, the imperial measuring system again. Go to yards. Yards. Pounds. Yeah, pounds. Yards. Uh, maybe you can even go back further. We can use cubits. Why not? And, and while we're at it, you know, I, I, I assume he's not a fan of Uber. So why don't we just go back to getting horse and carriages again? Yep. Uh, I know he doesn't like the uh, pre-game warm-ups either, so that that'd be cool to get rid of the pre-game warm-ups because you know, I know it'll make injury levels go up, but he doesn't like pre-game warm-ups. Yeah, yeah get rid of that. It's 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 nonsense. Um, yeah, get rid of technology. Mm-hmm. Get rid of all of that. We need to have referees being worse than what they are. That's that's the way to make the game better. Players that have jobs, we need that too. Mm. That's always been. That's a great idea. Yeah. Can, I mean, can you imagine how good Jason Tamalola would be if he was like a brickies labourer five days a week? Damn. See, this is the thing is that we already know that one player has already got himself a job Yeah. for when this comes around. And it's an essential service right now. Who, Jared Marlin? <laughs> Careful. Careful. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> to say, Mitch Moses. Ah, yes. With the delivery. Yeah. It's Can you imagine service. if he started doing it again? That'd be fucking awesome, hey? Well, he could, you know, because if he's got to take a pay cut, mm-hmm. he could be the smartest person in the game because he just go, you know what? I'll take my pay cut, but I'll just try and recover some of that loss by just delivering pizzas to people for delivery. Yeah. Can you imagine if he becomes so successful at it that when the NRL kicked back off again, he was like, nah, I kind of make more money doing this. Yeah. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. Like, he's like, you know, he's there lining up at the Noodle Hut, and he's like, this is way more financially viable than playing halfback for the Parramatta Eels, which I guess when you look at their halfbacks, I mean... A, a lot of them should have been just delivery drivers. 
And the good thing is, just like I was playing at halfback for, Para, for Parramatta, he's mm. not going to get his clothes dirty either. True. True. So there you go. I guess the difference between a Parramatta Eels halfback and a Deliveroo driver is that they actually deliver. <laughs> you know what? I thought about making that joke. I thought, you know, it's too obvious. And then when you said it, I went, no, no, no. It had to be said. <laughs> I had to. Just had, had to. to Legally obligated to. <laughs> now, we've had some... Um, the media's gone berserk, tossing mm. up ideas of what should happen to the game. Yeah. There's rumours today that there's a possibility of scrapping the opening two rounds. Yeah, and look... Where I think this has come from, right? Because the NRL's put together this uh, group of people to work out what's going to happen, how we're going to try and get the game going back this year, and how, if not this year, how we will transition into the start of next season. Is this the uh, recover from a pandemic um, united front that they've got? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or as the, They've always the been media. there. As the media has been calling it, because somebody come up with it, it's like the Apollo. I think it's the Apollo, um, what are they, the Apollo plan, because they were like, I think uh, Wayne Pierce said something about, oh, it's like we're going to play in isolation like we're playing on the moon. So we called it Apollo plan. And I just felt so disappointed because that's what they're running with in the media. But this this group that they've put together, their job has to be to take into account every single possible scenario, right? So I would hope that they're saying, what if we have to, what if all we can do is play three nines tournaments in November? Like they need to, they need to take every single thing that they can possibly do. What if the only thing we do this year is play a state of origin series? They have to look at every single scenario. And obviously, one of the scenarios has to be that you scrap the first two rounds of the competition and you start a whole new competition again. So when the, the news come out that they might scrap the, the first two rounds, I, I, I really thought of it in that way. They've got to sort of look at that possibility that that's what they need to do to restart the competition. But my guess is that the way that they want to go is to keep those two rounds of football because they're in the bag. They've got two whole rounds of footy in the bag and they have yet to have a double up of games. So nobody's played each other twice, obviously. Mm. And so you would start off with that. It's a really good foundation. But at the same time, you've got to look at every scenario. But the funny thing was that the Telegraph, I think, broke the story and it sort of turned into a cascade of shit from that point on where... <laughs> All of these media outlets just lost their fucking marbles. Over, oh, they're going to scrap the first two rounds. These teams are going to be all pissed off. Oh, man, man. And it's like, can we just calm down a little bit? Nothing's happened. Nothing is set in stone. And these are all just fucking yelling at each other. This this is all I'm imagining is going on as soon as that came out. It was just a whole heap of Daily Telegraph, Daily Telegraph stuff are going, content, content, yeah. content. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. And... It just seems so silly because it's like most of the stuff the media is talking about right now. Like they're getting angry at possible things that haven't actually occurred yet. I like to get angry at things that have occurred. Oh, mate, it doesn't hurt to get angry every now and then at a hypothetical that doesn't exist. 
Yeah, I guess that is a good point. But still, it's just like, that's all they're doing, though. Like, yeah. there's no other alternative. And it's really showing up, like, the the, the complete wasteland that rugby league journalism is right now. Because And look, there's a couple of them that are doing good jobs. But for the most part, for that mainstream media cycle, it's a fucking horror show. I'd like to think that one of those people doing a good job in rugby league journalism mm-hmm. is on this podcast. Yeah, we need to talk about this, okay? <laughs> so you did you did some journalism, huh? Yeah, it wasn't... Let me be clear, too. It wasn't rugby league modern-day journalism. It was old-school rugby league journalism. Uh, so let me clarify. So you didn't just make it up? No. So what happened was... Um, I decided to look into a positive story about rugby league and then using the telephone, actually ring up and speak to people who have the utmost knowledge in that and ask them questions about the situation and then write an article that is positive about that. Based based on their actual quotes? Yeah, like actually putting their quotes in there. That's not journalism. That I I don't understand. Like that's nothing to do with journalism in two thousand and twenty. I don't know why I would think that was journalism. Like you you've you've put in work to acquire knowledge on a subject and talk to experts in their field that are, are prominent in the subject, and then use that information to construct articles. Uh, that's that's not journalism. Well, not just articles, but articles that are informative. Yeah, I, yeah, I, well, I, I didn't don't know what see. Else, I, I didn't know what else to call it. it. It seemed like journalism based on what I've read in the past. I must say the past was talking about 100 years ago. Yeah, like if you looked in a dictionary, it probably equates to what is under journalism in a dictionary. But like the Oxford Dictionary can't put like journalism cunts underneath it, you know. It just wouldn't work. Because no, then you've got to look up cunts, you know? Yeah. But it did cause somewhat of an existential crisis within me. Yeah, I can imagine. It must have been pretty scary. Did you like? Did you go and look in the mirror and see that if you could see your reflection that you still had a soul? Oh, no, I, I definitely did that. But when okay. I did look in the mirror, I started abusing myself. Oh, really? Yeah, and not in a way that people might be thinking. Yeah. I did have my pants on. It was okay. just um, in there saying, you don't actually, you kind of do know what you're talking about. But you, uh, and I couldn't argue with myself. And I, I, it felt wrong. Did you, there's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, um, did you ever feel like saying people are talking about or it doesn't pass the pub test, stuff like that? I, no. Okay. That's no, a good sign. There's no pub test com, uh, mentioned. All right. I actually avoided cliches for the entirety of the of the interviews. Yes, wow. there was more than one. Wow, there was more than one interview for the for the articles. Yeah, I've done two. Two That's phone calls, incredible. two articles, two interviews, and I've got two more to go. Well, that's... I mean, that just doesn't line up to anything that we see in journalism 
anymore. So I think we're gonna I think we're gonna allow this one, Andrew. I think we'll allow it. Jesus. See, my question is, do you think I've got enough sway within the rugby league public, especially within the rugby league media, to make this trend? Like, make people go, maybe this crazy style might work. <laughs> there might be something about it. Um, it's a good question. I, I wonder, right, if you can if you can take what you did and monetize it in a way through some sort of distribution network and whether that's possible today when they can ring up some, I don't know, some bald-headed buffoon and just get them to make some shit up in their head and post it, you know? Because what you did takes effort. Yeah. Yeah, it was. it's... I, I don't know if people would pay for it, to be honest. Do you reckon people would pay for it? Well, you know what? If they were going to pay for it, they should go to patreon.com forward slash project and donate and pay for it because that would be directly paying the author and uh, it would be fantastic if people did that. I can't argue with that at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't wait to see what the article's about. I know what the article's about yeah. because obviously I'm in a privileged position here. You but are. Uh, One yeah, of the people I, that I've interviewed for these articles, mm-hmm. I plan to have come on this podcast. Oh, wow. Um, What's that? And it's talking about something that's quite, uh, yeah, quite an important topic that's that's at the forefront of most rugby league people's minds at the moment, other than all of this weird shit that's going on with the mm-hmm. coronavirus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something that's been discussed a fair bit. So it, it is, it is also topical. Yeah, yeah, very, very topical, and um, I think people are going to be really impressed when they see what you've done. So I'm really looking forward to to reading it and uh yeah i can't wait it's gonna you know it's gonna be really cool and i guess it's it's one of the first times that we've kind of done this with the podcast on top of what we've done in the past is that like it's almost folding in a a couple of different things so in the past like say you or me would write an article or you do some history stuff or something it's not too often that you can then immediately fold on top of that a podcast part of that as well. And it it will give a a more all-round picture to it all. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, So that's a bit more interesting content coming up with um, another good guest. So, yeah, there's another episode. Put that in the bank. Yeah, lock that (laughs) one in. (laughs) All right. So we'll get back to the crazy stuff that's going on at the moment. Yeah. Um, So scrap number two rounds for discuss. The next one is... Four quarters of footy. Yeah, who was it that put that forward? Um, it was a media type. I, I I did see Andrew Voss put it forward. There you go. And I'm look, I'm a huge fan of Andrew Voss. So I'm not going to rubbish him here. He he had an idea, and I could see where it's coming from. And that was the game's lost an awful lot of revenue because there's a lot of sponsors that haven't been able to promote their you know flog their wares, so to speak. So four quarters footy means that you've got three breaks instead of one during a game, yeah. and that's opportunities to have advertising on to try and 
get those advertisers on and get that money back. So I could see where he's coming from. I understand that aspect of it. And to, to me, that aspect makes, that's logical. It makes sense. I see where he's coming from there. For the game, though, I'm not so confident that it's a good idea. Yes. I, I, let me tell you what my initial thought was. What a fucking ridiculous idea. Okay, Rugby League is going to have just as many eyeballs when it starts up, if not more, than it ever has before. It's going to have sponsors on the jerseys, sponsors on the field, sponsors around the stadium. You know who really needs the extra revenue? It's the bloody broadcasters. Fox Sports right now, like, what are they showing? They're showing a bunch of people yelling at each other on podcasts, right? That doesn't rate real highly. And I don't know how you sell sponsorship and advertising on the back of that. Four-quarter football isn't about rugby league getting money. You know, rugby league's going to get its money. It's about the broadcasters having that extra slot there to shove in more adverts for betting companies and beer, you know, beer commercials and stuff like that. It's not about rugby league. It's about the broadcasters. Well, it works for both. Yeah, but I mean, the, like, you know, the, the media people aren't going to put it forward unless they're, they're, their employee is getting something out of it as well. But the league would also use it to, to capitalise also. There's no doubt about it. But here's the thing, right? Rugby League has a really good TV deal. It's one of two of the most massive TV deals in basically Australia for anything. So it's not like Rugby League is struggling for, for a dollar because it's not. And at the moment, everything is shut down. I understand that, but everything's shut down. No one's earning money doing anything. Mm-hmm. And when rugby league kicks off again, it will start earning money. Like it's not like the game stopped. You know, it's not like it's rugby union, for instance, where the viewership fell off. We had to stop playing because of the pandemic. And when we can play again, the the rev the TV viewers are going to be there. We've got a TV deal that's going to kick back in. And the money's going to be there again. And if you want to look, if they were talking about it for the next TV deal, I'd say if if Fox Sports doesn't want to show two halves of rugby league, they want to show quarters, that's fine. The game can take its, you know, its entire catalogue of uh, viewers and, and games and everything. They can take it somewhere else and Fox Sports can be left trying to sell subscriptions on bloody A-League soccer and curling and darts or whatever the fuck else they show. Hey, don't knock curling. No, you know what? Fuck curling. Curling shit. You know why curling doesn't take off anywhere? Because it's fucking terrible. Mate, that's harsh. Curling's fantastic. No, I'm I'm Um, out on curling. You know what one idea is that Mm -hmm. hasn't been put forward in this crazy world? Mm -hmm. Everyone's having is sitting there taking pot shots at the NRL for not having money in the bank and this other shit. Yeah. What they should have done, the one thing they should have had in the bank mm-hmm. was unaired games of rugby league. Like, just every off-season, yeah. just play, like, two rounds <laughs> in front of empty stadiums. So just go, we're just going to record them. The results will stand. Yeah. yeah. Whenever some shit goes on, we can put this live content on, people can watch it, and those results can stand. That's interesting. <laughs> That's really interesting. Problem solved. It makes me wonder what games 
had like what games at least would have been played that didn't get big viewership like i'm thinking like games between australia and france there'd be there's got to be some of those games on a video somewhere that just didn't get broadcast in australia i'm talking about oh you've also got things like um midweek cups and things like that in the yeah. 80s 70s yeah. 80s it's yeah, there's a lot of those yeah but yeah. yeah just build up a a just like a hundred no we, we'd need 300 odd games built up yeah just add a whole have a whole like f- four rounds of football in like november behind closed doors that are just building up a catalog yeah. in case there's another pandemic <laughs> that's right so instead of sitting there going we need to put money in the bank fuck that just put some games in the bank so when the next pandemic comes around crack open the vault and put the games of footy on you keep playing your sport when everyone else has to shut down you know what in terms of the ideas that have been tossed out there (laughs) it's not in the top 10 for the most ridiculous shit i've heard (laughs) (laughs) ah see ideas man yeah yeah another idea that's been put forward was 60 minute games and the idea i think I didn't follow this one through too much. Yeah. I assume this would be so you could play two games a week. So instead of playing for 80 minutes, you play 60 minutes. Do we know who put that forward? Nah. I I don't know how that works, but again, yeah. not a fan of that one. Yeah, that seems pretty ridiculous as well. Yeah. You know um, what's funny about all of these, this idea of, because we didn't, I guess we didn't really talk about quarter football, like 20 minute quarters. The whole push has been to add some attrition level to rugby league over the last, say, 10 years, right? And they've done that by cutting down the number of interchanges because they're worried about the sort of, uh, you know, you don't want it just to be a forward battle. You want it there to be some sort of fatigue at the end of the games. You want different um, players like that. You want small players to be able to have an impact later on in the game, things like that. All of that goes out the window if you bring in 20-minute quarters because you get the, all of a sudden you look at, you know, most of the forwards in the NRL, you give them a bit of a breather at 20 minutes most of them should be able to play 80 minutes without any problems. Yeah, exactly. Same thing goes with 60-minute games. Oh, um, yeah. Laurie Daly mm-hmm. has come up with an idea. Yeah. Oh, man, I feel I feel like I'm hurting already. <laughs> Unlimited interchange. I'm not sure how he thinks this helps the game in any way, but... Uh-huh. Um, just say thanks for your input, Laurie. Um, yeah. We still remember that you coached New South Wales very poorly. Um, just stick to the TAB ads, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I think you said it well. I was going to go into some stuff there, but I think you said everything that needed to be said. <laughs> now, we do have another rather interesting idea that Peter Volandis' head is on the table for consideration. Okay. It's a three-game grand final series at the end of the year. A lot of people hate this idea. They really, really hate it. Um, Are you one of those people? I don't know. That's my answer. I 
I don't know. I think that uh, the problem you would have is if one team won the first two games, the dead rubber couldn't be played at all. Yeah. And the other thing is if, you know, what happens if, say, one team absolutely smashes the other in the first game and then loses the last two games by just, you know, one or two points? I think for me, what I, I don't like this idea. Yeah. But I see where they're coming from. Yeah. And I think what they should work on doing is the week after the grand final, mm-hmm. have the World Club Challenge. Can you sell the World Club Challenge in Australia, though? I think if they put it as something that close, this is mm-hmm. for me, the reason why the World Club Challenge hasn't worked in Australia is because it's in another season and yeah. the team that won the grand final isn't the one playing in the World Club Challenge. Yeah. And so if you were to have it as the next step, the week after winning the grand final, uh-huh. I think that could be sold a lot better. And what when ha- people are looking for content, you know, yeah, the worst thing the worst thing that's going to come up this year yeah. is when people go, we went two, three months, whatever it is, with our football, and the grand final's just come and gone, and we now we've got no more football again. Yeah, yeah. So I, the, the only two things that would worry me is that if you if you can sell it and look as you say it's content maybe there's you've got no choice you know so if you go with the idea that like you just have to do it then the second thing is say you fly over the super league champions and throw them up against the a team that is in grand final winning mode man that scoreline could be well, atrocious given that the super league's also on hold yeah I'm I'm assuming, just like it is every year, both seasons are going to end around the same time. Yeah. So both teams should still be in grand final mode. Yeah, but don't you reckon that, like, say, for instance, you look at the Roosters in last year's grand final, if you took them and put them against the Super League champions, don't you reckon that they would absolutely flog them? Like, they they put big scores on them and they they haven't even started their pre-season yet. So be it. Yeah, I agree. Let's do it. (laughs) It would be so much fun. Oh, it'd be so good. Well, I mean, this is another idea we could do is just get every NRL team. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, fuck it. Every NRL team, the other 15 NRL teams, to all play a game against an English side. But the one main game will be the World Club Challenge. That way everyone still gets to see their team play one more game. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, and England can all go home and go, wow, we are so fucking far behind. This is ridiculous. <laughs> we can all be... go home going, we just had 50 put on us by Ash Taylor. Yeah, well, that would be the interesting thing. Like, say, if you went on last year's results. I mean, who was the, who's the team that uh, come last in Super League last year? I can't remember. Um who was it? That's a good question. It was the Broncos, wasn't it? London Broncos. I think you're right, yeah. These are them or Hulk AR. Who's still in the comp this year? I'll check my website. Hulk AR, so, uh, London, yeah, it was London Broncos. Okay. So say, like the London Broncos, even though the, the Titans last year were a bunch of bludgers who didn't care, they would absolutely annihilate the London Broncos. And you, you go up the line. Like, I think the smashings down at the lower end of the table 
would be even more dramatic than the ones at the top end of the, say against the top super league teams. Hmm. Although you could get you could get a, con- a contest yeah. between two teams that know how to choke, like say Tigers versus Huddersfield. Yeah, uh, another one like say Castleford. They're a bunch of chokers. Yeah, they could take on the Dragons. Yeah, that would be a cool one. Um, Let's see, there you go. You're starting to find out which team uh, should win, but Warrington. is just going to throw it away. Warrington, what are we doing? The Bridesmaids. Yeah, it's always their year. It's their year this year. They can play Parramatta. Ah, oh, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. We can make this work. Yeah. What if you had? What if you took all Super League clubs? and all the NRL clubs, and after the NRL season, they had, like, a knockout competition, and you called that the World Club Challenge. You could do that. Yeah. You're going like to need a few more teams. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you could bring in, like, the PNG Hunters and teams like that. you need four more sides. Yeah. So you could bring in, say, the Hunters. Yeah, right, fuck it. Send out invitations. Yeah. Around the world, we don't care if you're a nation, a state, a club team. We don't care where you're from. Mm-hmm. You put forward a nomination and we'll put them all in a barrel and we'll just draw four out randomly out of a barrel. That we would be get, cool. We might get Red Star Belgrade. Who knows? We might get the Faklabi Mad Squirrels. <laughs> what if, what if you got, what if you got one of the, uh, say for instance, the French Rugby Union Clubs Wanted to make a bit of cash. They were like, let's nominate. We'll play rugby league. Play, we'll play your sport, but we're just looking to make a little bit of cash here. Would you accept but, their nomination or would you tell them to go fuck themselves? I'd take it. Yeah. You know, I'll even accept nominations from Australian rugby union teams. Man, that would, that would make... <laughs> oh, you know what? We talked about this. Why, why doesn't the NRL buy a rugby union? Pretty good opportunity too now. I tell you what, I reckon that they, if, say, say, uh, I almost said David Gallup, say uh, Peter Volandis just rings up the Australian Rugby Union or whatever they call themselves these days and says, hey, we got some cash. We know you need some cash. It's not going to be a loan. They've got to have a meeting about it. Mm. The, the thing is going to be about timing. You want to make sure if you're going to do this, you want the per- the team you're buying out to be on their deathbed. Yeah, desperate for coin. Yeah, yeah. So if I were him, I'd probably wait a month. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. And approach him and say, "We've got twenty million bucks here. If you want it, just let us own you." Yeah, like permanently. Yeah, kind of like what Richard Gere did with Julie Roberts in Pretty Woman. Like, it, at first he wanted to rent, but then it turned out he wanted to buy. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how that movie went. That's pretty much how it was. Yeah. Um. Now, another bit of news. Mm-hmm. The NRL is a del- is delivering a $40 million rescue package to the 16 NRL sites. That's an extra $2.5 million per club. 
But hang on a second. Didn't all the media say that they hadn't saved any money at all and that it was a problem and they wouldn't have any money to pay the players or the clubs? Well, this is just further evidence of Todd Greenberg um, wasting money. Mm. Sure, yeah. the clubs demanded it and they cried poor after getting $13 million every year and all of their players' salaries paid for every year. Yeah. Um, so now they've got another $2.5 million to deal with this. Nice. nice. Um, that's Greenberg's fault for saving the clubs again. And now he's, now he's officially saved every single NRL club in the competition. Yeah, and they can watch a that, prick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you've got to wonder if he's doing more harm than good. Oh, talk about hopeless. Yeah. Man, it's really weird. It's such a weird time for for the media, the rugby league media site. It's so trash. <laughs> it really is. Now, it's, um, it's kind of interesting too because there was a, uh, an article in the Daily Telegraph, I think it was today or yesterday, yeah. Um, where Phil Rothfield's decided he's going to sit down, he's going to roast Greenberg over all this expense stuff that the Telegraph brought up. Yeah. They looked, they looked at the NRL budget, they saw expense and went, oh, well, that's why Greenberg shit. Yeah. And they didn't do any other work other than that. And they said, we'll just put that out there and get everyone rolled up and we'll get them all hating on Greenberg. Mm-hmm. So there was an article which went out today where... Greenberg very calmly and explains how all of the, um, you know, how the how the books work. Yeah, and how everything is laid out in the open. Yeah, it's uh, the you know the hidden way that the NRL spends its money, and then they put a link to the way they spend it on the website every year. Yeah. So the first question Buzz asked, uh, he says, Todd, in the Fair Dinkum Department. And I had a look over these annual reports, and the NRL doesn't have a fair income department, so I don't know what he's looking at. Okay. Uh, but he says, your costs are out of control. Seriously, $183 million or half a million a day. It's black and white, horrendous overspending. Please explain. And Todd responds with, I'm not asking you to be a mathematician or an accountant, but this isn't true. It only takes two clicks on our website to get into the annual report. So for starters, to say we're not transparent is wrong. It's a public document. Yeah. And then he explains very clearly how that money is spent. And Buzz says, Todd, but that's revenue. What about the costs? And so he goes through and explains how you have to spend money to make money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where that cost is coming from. Mm -hmm. And And if you look closely enough, you find that the money they're spending is generating much more revenue than what they've outlaid. Yeah, and it has been going up year on year. Exactly. Mm. Um, Buzz replied by saying, it still doesn't add up. And so Greenberg explains himself again. Yeah. And so Buzz seemingly gets it this time. Okay, cool. He's like, okay, but um, what, what about your administration? It's now more than $20 million a year. And Greenberg says... Yeah, back in 2012, administration costs were 7% of revenue. Only 7%. And he says, mm. now it's only 4% of total revenue. Whoa, that's, that's pretty crazy. That's lower than most other sports. Yeah. 
Um, and so, and Buzz, and obviously, at that point, what Buzz says, okay, Todd, I'm sorry. I was wrong. My suggestions are completely out of line. Is that what he said? He said, um, fair enough, but where does all the rest of the money go? <laughs> and Greenwick said, the club's got $228 million, the state's got $48 million, and we put $40 million into junior development, plus we banked a $30 million profit. And buzz, and so, and then he says, "You know what? Are the costs too high? Yeah, they are a bit. And we're having conversations to to bring those down. Should we be saving more? Of course, we should be. We're learning from that, and we're dealing with it right now." And buzz says, "So, how are you going to cut costs? That's what we want to know." And this is the thing that's interesting: is that what Buzz wanted to know was how are you spending five hundred thousand dollars a day? Yeah. And then, where's all the money gone? And now he's got those answers. He's like, okay, now we want to know a different question. Yeah, and it's it's weird. It's like uh, just switching into real basic things. Like, I mean, like with the podcast, like you or me could say to one another, we need to cut costs. You're spending too much money. Now we don't spend anything on the podcast. It's great. <laughs> but you could ask that question and say, hey, you can do that. And, you could probably get an answer out of that too. You could say, well, we're, you know, I guess we could do this. But it doesn't mean that it should be done. No. Um, so Buzz still thinking that he's got the upper hand here. has yeah. asked his last question. So clear this up. What exactly are you getting paid now? And... The only answer I want Greenberg to have here is, let's be fair, Buzz, you tell me how much you're getting paid, I'll tell you how much I'm getting paid. Mm-hmm. But Todd says, ever the diplomat, I get one more month's pay and that's it for the year. And that's it. Case closed. So, we just know, though, that while Buzz has, Buzz has just had the ass of his pants booted in mm. so savagely, mm-hmm. so calmly. I mean, Greenberg did that with the, the, uh, such a cold, methodical, calm manner. It was very Hans Gruber of him. Yeah. Except this time, Hans doesn't fall out of the building and dying. Yeah, yeah. Buzz is the one falling out. <laughs> I'm wondering what sort of cliche, clickbaity garbage they're going to come up with to attack Greenberg with next. Yeah, because the weird thing for me was that they kept on pushing this line of like, where's the money gone? Where's the money gone? And it literally is on, like when we say it's it's online, it's literally on the NRL website. It's there. Every year going back, I think, what is it, six, six or years. eight years? Six yeah, years six ago. Years. Yeah, and, like, it's all it's all there to be seen. It's not mm-hmm. hidden anywhere. Um, I saw, there was a tweet somebody did today talking about the NRL finances and, like, what are, they, what are they doing with all their money? And I said, it's on their website. You can go and check it out. Mm. Um, and the weird thing for me is that I don't think the NRL has done a, a good enough job in itself with its own distribution channels to get that message out there. Um, I think 
a few people know, anyone that listens to our podcast would know it, but I think that they could, because they've got the ability to get out through uh, all social media channels and through their website and the NRO website, they maybe should do more of that with Todd Greenberg. Get Graham Annesley away from the camera. Um, he'll probably turn up anyway. Don't let him get on. But just sit down with Todd Greenberg maybe once a month or something and, you know, get ask them questions like that. The journalists won't like it. They'll say that it's uh, – what will they say? They'll say that it's just marketing and PR and stuff. Yeah. But the reason they won't like it is because it's not their content and they yeah. can't put adverts on it. You could call it high tea and balance sheets with Todd. Yeah, that would be nice, something like that. You could just sit down and go through the the expenditure while having a, a, a scone with a bit of cream and jam on it and a bit of tea, maybe some uh, Earl Grey mm-hmm. or some English breakfast perhaps. Just have a bit of that as he's going through and a bit of a chew and just pop that down and want the old face with a napkin and then go into the income section. You've really thought this through. <laughs> maybe you could have a, a maybe you could have a small crumpet on the side with a bit of raspberry jam on it or something like that. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Now I'm getting hungry. Damn. See? Doing a lot of work for you, Todd. Yeah. They really do. They should get Todd you know what they should do? The NRL should take some of that five hundred billion dollars a day they're spending apparently according to the <laughs> Daily Telegraph, they should employ Yana Vent and just get her down there at NRO headquarters and just get her interviewing Todd Greenberg every month or so with a scone. <laughs> An assortment of jams and breads. Yeah. And I'd like to see her, like, smoking while she did it. I don't know why. Uh, no, I'd like to see her trying to eat a croissant without getting a single crumb on her. I reckon she could... She's she's good enough. Yeah, she'd get the job done. That would be that would be brilliant. Um, yeah, there's another surprising thing that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, Fox League posted another article kissing Peter Vlandy's ass. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, how did you know it was uh, Fox League and not Peter Vlandy's himself? Because I'm really finding it hard to tell where one ends and the other begins. They've got their head so far up his ass lately. The article was titled, Club Boss says ARLC Chair Peter Vlandy's arrival was a godsend for the NRL. A nice. godsend. Did, did God they say which club boss it was? Um, Do we have a quote? Let's, let's have a look. Yeah, have a look if there's a quote. It's written... Let's see. There are quotes because it's written by Matt Incarnation. He's not, he's not too bad, yeah. But it, he does have quotes. Oh, sweet! Who was it that yeah. said that? Um, let's have a look here. No idea yet. No. One club boss who wished to remain anonymous said he'd there never go. seen more inspiring leadership from another administrator in his 15 years in the game. There you go. Unnamed. Doesn't mean shit if it's unnamed. Yeah. But there it is. At least it's a, you know, it's a quote. It is quoted. He's, he's spoken to somebody. Someone, yeah. A, a person. 
There was a, I saw an article on Fox Sports website before we started the podcast, and it said about how um, over the last number of years uh, in clubland amongst the NRL clubs, there's been a hundred CEOs and club chairmen, and I'm guessing board members as well, that have left the clubs. And that probably has something to do with where a lot of money has gone. Mm. That's a lot. Yeah. I tell you what, I've just found a little bit more content for the uh, for the podcast right here. Oh, really? What is it? One incumbent star and three new faces. Our predicted 2025 kangaroo spine. Oh, really? Who have they got in there? 2025, did you say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so fullback, they've got Kalen Ponga. Okay. Um, a five-eighth Cameron Monster. How old will he be in twenty twenty-five? Thirty. Okay, he's be yeah. I see. I thought he was about twenty-seven, eh? Nathan Cleary at halfback. Of course, he's the boy. And Reed Mahoney at or Reed Mooney at hooker. Okay. Yeah. I can see why they went with him. I guess in the, you'd have uh, Payne Haas, Fafida in the forwards. I'm trying to think of see, I think I think if they were going to try and be um, absolute experts at what they do, yeah, they would try and name the predicted kangaroo spine for the year twenty forty seven. That would be really cool. Twenty forty seven. So. Hmm, let's have a think about that. So, well, there'll be... A, we, two and three-year-olds. We, we know for certain there will be a Pierce running around, and he's probably going to have a lot of rep honours, some of which he doesn't deserve. Uh, there'll be someone called Fafita, but they might not necessarily be related to the Fafita twins or... Or David Fafita. Um, what else? Hmm. Try to think of who else we might have. I reckon I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out the this one. Yeah. There, there will be a child at uh, who who'll be um you know the child of Daly Cherry Evans. Yep. Will be the first rugby league player to have a triple hyphen surname. <laughs> that would be cool. And he'll be the halfback. That would be really cool. There you go. That, you that's remember, my famous prediction. Do you remember when Robbie Paul changed his last name? Was that to Hunter Paul? Hunter Paul. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was because he got married, hey? I can't remember what it was, but yeah, I do remember he changed pretty, his name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was because he got married. Because he had anyway. a brother who played as well, didn't he? He didn't change his name. Henry Paul, yeah. Mm. Henry Paul kept as far as I know. Man, they were overrated, something severe <laughs> by people in England. They remember when they were running around and uh, Pommy fans were like, oh, they're some of the best players. They'd smash it in the NRL. And I was like, no, no, they would not. Uh, were they halves? Um, from memory, Henry was a, I mean, you, I guess you could say that Robbie Paul, from memory, I feel like he was a hooker. Maybe they were just halves. 
Okay, so I, I always felt like Henry was the better player. Robbie, I, I felt like just was very. He was very much Super League player. Robbie, I thought Henry was uh, a little bit more steady, but uh, he he wasn't much good either. So we can be confident we'll see them in an upcoming poll on Twitter. Yeah, they'll probably be added to greatest international rugby league players polls. Uh, which do you reckon? Should we wait until they've done the whole thing? Yeah, we really should. Yeah, because we need to do a complete annihilation of it. Yeah, it's uh, that'll be very very interesting. Now. Uh... <laughs> That's pretty much it for the, the stuff we're going to chat about today. Is there anything else you want to bring yeah. up? Well, the only other thing I saw was um, Brad Fittler come out and said that they should look at doing some things with State of Origin. And what if Jason Tamalolo played for Queensland because he was born in New Zealand and he's of Tongan heritage. So, of course, he'd play for Queensland. He qualifies. Yeah, well, you know... He's been there. He's, he's been there for a little bit. So if you gave him a map on an A4 page of paper mm. and said to him, point to where Queensland is, mm. part of the selection criteria is you must be able to get within the distance of one entire circumference of the actual Earth's globe yeah. to, to wherever you point your finger. Yeah. That's it. Job done. You could so, probably do that, yeah. I'd, put, I'd I'd say you could. I mean, he's a very smart man, Jason Tomalolo. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> uh, Brad Fittler put hey, forward. Thanks for going with me on that one. <laughs> that one was fucked, Andrew. Can you never do that again? Um, no. So, <laughs> so yeah, Brad Fittler put that forward, and then. Uh, Graham Lowe over in New Zealand, uh, he come out and he blew up about it and said how ridiculous it was, and it was a fucking stupid idea. But then he put forward that what they should do is have New Zealand and a Pacific Island All-Stars team take part in the State of Origin series, which was equally fucking stupid. Why and the, the best. Why doesn't New Zealand just play against the Pacific All Stars team in a separate Origin series? Or how about they just try and fucking beat Tonga at home just once? That'd be good too. Yeah, that's true too. You know, I that's the thing I love about. You see these teams. England's the worst at it. They're very important. Just ask them. So, like, if we were going to play an Origin series that had an international team involved in, in it right now. It'd have to be Tonga. It wouldn't be New Zealand. Mm. But, you know, Kiwis have to think they've got to be involved in it, and the Poms have to think they've got to be involved in it. Now, actually, I do remember there was one other story I had here. Yeah. Um, Dave Donaghy from the Melbourne Storm, he's the CEO there. Mm-hmm. He, he quoted this week, and there's nothing, nothing about this quote, really. He mm-hmm. said, regrettably, Melbourne Storm has had to stand down a third of all staff from our football and administration departments and ask those remaining to take a 50% pay cut effective immediately. Yeah, that's that's a reality of the situation for a lot of clubs. Yeah, and a and, lot of people in society. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the comment he made after that 
that had me scratching my head a little bit because mm-hmm. he said, this past week, because of that, has been the most difficult in the club's history. Has it, Dave? Has can it think really? of others. Can think of others that were pretty rough for the storm. Yeah, like one stands out. Yeah, one in particular. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I probably wouldn't go around saying things are the most difficult weeks there. Yeah. You've, you've had worse. Um, you know what Melbourne Storm players wouldn't be short of? Bread makers. Because they'd have a shitload of vouchers still left over. They'd be buying heaps of bread makers. Were those vouchers with Harvey Norman? They were. They were. Geez, you reckon Jerry Harvey would be waiting for him to cash those ones in? <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon bread makers, I reckon bread makers would have gone down in that time too. So maybe, although I feel like Harvey Norman vouchers had run out after about three weeks. <laughs> oh, I don't know if they last that long. Yeah. They've usually got an expiry date of them of yesterday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I did some... Uh, I did, I, I went to purchase something online and I, I wasn't able to get it at the shop I was going to get it at, but Harvey Norman had it in. And I said, look, I can get it for half price at this shop, but they haven't got it in stock. Can I buy it from you? Like, And I did this on their online service. And because the place where I could get it at half price didn't have it for me locally, they wouldn't sell it to me for the for the price in the Ooh. price matching. Fucking pricks. You so, didn't buy yeah. it though, did you? Hey? You didn't buy it though then? No. You know what I did? I rang up the original shop. I said, listen, I want to buy one of these things. Can you find one for me? And they sent me one. For no cost from Armadale. There you go. Yeah. That's you know who it was? Service, Jerry. Yeah, I tell you who it was. It was EB Games, right? Yep. They were fantastic. Um, and it was during the bushfire crisis. And so they, they had a little bit of a delay on being able to get um, postage out of Armadale at the time. And they kept in, kept in touch with me, sent it to me. No, no charge for sending it to me. And it was a hundred bucks, and Harvey Norman was going to charge me two hundred. So Harvey Norman can get stuffed. <laughs> go and buy all your stuff at EB Games. There you go. Consumer advice. Yeah. Yeah. There was a good story involved here. Exactly. Hey, you know what we should do? We should mm. read a. We should do a reader email or a listener email. Would you like that? Go for it. Okay. Well, we've got one here from Ash. Ash sent this. Uh, Sent this today. Uh, it wasn't too long ago, actually. It says, Hi, lads. I've been listening to the podcast for a short while now and particularly enjoy the coverage of historical league and players that no one else researches or delivers as well as you guys. The recent Flanish, uh, Spanish flu episode I found utterly informative. Along those lines, and as an unashamed Novocastrian, I'd love to hear the full story of Greg Smith, the American who had one of the worst league debuts in history. Apologies if you've covered this ad nauseum already in previous shows. Love the podcast and keep up the great work. Cheers, Ash. I've got a bit of a story about Greg Smith. Yeah. All right. On our website, we had a uh, this rugby league project. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Alan Whitaker a long time ago donated all of the biographs uh, biographies that he wrote for his Encyclopedia of Rugby League players. Yeah, and one of them happened to be for Greg Smith, mm-hmm. and it wasn't none of them are derogatory. It just said that you know he had a very unpleasant time in rugby league um, after a, a you know being being somewhat dishonest about his time in the Philadelphia Eagles. I think it was. Okay. And that had been up on our website for a long, long time. That was the story everyone knew. Yep. And a year or two ago, his legal team contacted us mm-hmm. and said, you need to remove that because it's not accurate and it's defamatory. Mm-hmm. I was like, you what? So they were saying that he actually had played for Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. So I went and looked on the Philadelphia Eagles website. Yeah, and it said that that he hadn't actually played any games, but he had been he had played two games in practice games or training games or something like that. So he had so, trained with the club. Yeah, and he had he had signed a contract. So, but had he been on the practice squad or had he played a yeah. preseason game? I think both. Okay, cause, because then I guess would you say? I mean, how would you look at someone like a Valentine Holmes? Because he basically did the same thing. It's basically the same. Yeah. So say Valentine Holmes said, I played in the NFL with the New York Jets. Well, I'd say, would you call Valentine Holmes an NFL player? Oh, man. I would, I would lean towards no. Jared Hayne, one hundred percent played in the NFL, played yeah. regular season games. Um, Valentine Holmes, I would tend to say he didn't play an NFL game, an official NFL game, because those those preseason games are, I mean, they're probably way looser than an NRL preseason game. Like True, the, you but know, he did so, play. He did play the game that NFL players play in an official NFL team. Yeah. I think if you wanted to make a long-winded argument, you could probably come to a a roundabout way of saying, yes, to some extent, he is an NFL player. And I think that's where this contact from his legal team had come to, was he actually did play with an NFL team. Therefore, the premise that he'd lied about it, must be removed. So we went, yeah, you know, we, we don't have the money to complain and argue about this, so we just removed yeah. it. Yeah, um, But I, apparently I, they contacted a lot of a lot of other media outlets and got them to change it as well. So it's not wasn't just us, it was everyone. See, I can see where he said, he would say, I've, I've been an NFL player with the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles. And then somebody else could take from that he played in the NFL. Exactly. Now, if somebody said to me, he played in the NFL, you would say, well, he, he was only playing preseason on the practice squad. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's no. not like you're bagging out what he did. But I, I can see where it doesn't take much of a change the way somebody conveys that information. Yeah. That Then when somebody looks at the original information, they say, hang on a second, he didn't play in the NFL. You know, he was at blah, blah, blah. So I, I can see where it's been twisted a little bit and, and not for anything that he's done. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, it's an interesting story. Um, mm. So he he didn't come over here on the back of, a, of an outright lie. It's not like he just turned up and said, yeah, I played in the NFL. Um, you know, he actually had been in a practice squad. He was he was a, you know, not everyone gets to get to those practice squad levels either. We'll make that clear. Yeah. Um, so it's not like he was that bad. He was quite a fast sprinter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that, he didn't have a great game. No, it was a. It was it was good, just unfortunate, really, because as you said, he had a lot of speed, um, and he just got targeted, and you know he, he he was probably thrown into the deep end way 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 too quickly, and so I mean the club didn't do any favors for him in that sense. So, um, but yeah, look, he he got way further than most people do trying to have a rugby league career and uh man he's 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 uh, he must have had a really interesting sporting sporting life you know i mean doing those two things in in itself is interesting that he managed to do that mm. it does remind me of a different story of someone who actually did lie mm-hmm. to play first gold i don't think he played first grade but to play reserve grade footy in australia anyway yeah, and it was in the eighties, and it was a New Zealand player by the name of uh, Keith Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. Um, he flew to Australia with intent to play in trial games, hoping that he'd be offered a contract with a first grade team. But when he arrived in Australia, he was apprehended by the police because his yeah. criminal record revealed he'd previously been convicted for robbery. So he had an ultimatum, which was return to New Zealand at his own expense, or he could stay in an Australian prison cell and then eventually be deported. So yeah. he flew back home. Yeah. He then went to a local cemetery and uh, spent hours reading gravestones looking for a man whose age was not too similar, not too different to his. Yeah. And took his identity, returned to Australia under that stolen identity. Yeah. Um, it was then, it's alleged that he played five games in Sydney. None of them were first grade. Yeah. And he, was, he wasn't, uh, he never got a first grade contract. But, um, yeah, this is a, an interesting story of someone who actually did lie and actually made it into one of the prominent Sydney clubs. Mm-hmm. I think he pretty much played a few trial games and maybe one or two reserve grade games, and that was it. Wow. But that's someone who lied to get there. You know, the other, the only other things I can think of where, it's been alleged that players have lied is um, early on when they started looking at um, Fijian rugby league players and the, like they would say that they were in their early 20s and <laughs> after a while it was pretty clear that they were like 30 years old and 32 and stuff like that. Um, but it's kind of looked at as, as kind of a little bit funny. Um, that's the only other time I can think of any anything like that? Can you think of any others? There was another one from nineteen oh nine, and it was a, the first Dave Brown to play for Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't go too much into his story because I'm writing about him in my uh, my next book. Mm-hmm. Um, but he went over to England and told everyone over there that he had played Test football for Australia. 
Oh, really? And he had played for Australian Rugby League, but it yep. wasn't a test match. Okay. Um, and so he managed to get a contractor with a team over there. I can't remember off the top of my head now which team it was. But after, it might have been Runcorn. I think after just a handful of games, they went, yeah, this bloke's not that good. <laughs> so they cut him loose and sent him back home. Okay. And um, had a very gruesome and tragic death after an accident at a train station. Ah, uh, yes. You told me about that one. Yeah, very... Um, it's a very curious story, and he's there's a bit of uncertainty over his death, I guess. But um, I think I think that one's up on my Patreon. But you have to be a paid subscriber to read it. Yeah, yeah, and it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. It's a really interesting story. It'd be really cool to read about that uh, when you finish the book. Yes, so that's uh, already pull my finger and get under that. I've written about <laughs> 17 of 60-odd bios I meant to put in there. So Man. Got some more work to do. Yeah, just a little bit. That's what, a weekend's worth? Weekend's worth of work? Well, that's another reason why coronavirus has been good for me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you're not trying to be a journalist. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well... Anything else you want to... Did you have any other emails? No, no, just that one. So anybody that uh, wants your email read, just get in touch with us. Send an email to podcast at leaguefreak.com and uh, we read out uh, basically any of them that are sent to us. Um, we don't read out the replies because there's some of them I'll, I'll send a reply to and then we, we'll go back and forth. But yeah, uh, you know, we love getting emails. So make sure you send them. Go onto your podcasting apps right now. Open them up. Scroll up. Scroll down. Whatever you've got to do, and leave us a five star review and a nice, or five star rating and a nice review. Uh, we will always read them out if you if you leave us a nice review. Um, that would be fantastic. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. There you go. Get busy, people. Get some work done. It's not like you've got an excuse not to. You're stuck at home with nothing else to do. Yeah, what the hell, man? We should be having 50 million reviews. We know there's a whole heap of viewers are listening right now. Exactly. Stop being a bludger. Um, go in there and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Virgo Freak Pod. It's the same on both. Yeah. Get in there and give a bit of a like and a follow on all this sort of gear. And follow us on, on Facebook as well. Um, Facebook, yeah. Go on the website, com. LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn, yeah. I haven't looked at the LinkedIn one for a little bit. Anyway, I was I was looking around the other day. Mm. We've, we do have a, a forum sort of thing set up at Rugby League Project for people who want to help contribute with information that's a bit hard to find. Yeah. And we've got a, I've, I've created a little system on there purely to catch out the spam accounts. Yeah. And because the spam accounts like to fill in all the information. Yeah, yeah. And so you put on there, you know, give us your ICQ details. Mm-hmm. No one uses that shit anymore. But the yeah. spammers always fill it in. You go, oh, there we go, spammer, delete, delete, delete. delete. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, who the hell? ICQ? Seriously? I used to use ICQ back in 
Man, what I mean that might have been done by the time two thousand rolled around. Yeah, God, it was a while back. Yeah, showing our age now. Yeah, you wouldn't think I was like in my early twenties, eh? <laughs> I actually had somebody that has been a long time follower of mine um, on Twitter. They asked me about setting up a podcast, so I gave them the no bullshit version. Because when me and Andrew were trying to set up a podcast, everyone made it sounded like we needed to spend about 10 grand to make it happen. And so and we worked out pretty quickly. We just had to press record on Skype. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, that was it. It was really, you know, since then we've invested tens of dollars. Um, anyway, <laughs> so they they got in touch and said, oh, how do we set up a podcast? So I gave them the no bullshit version. Like you can just, all you need is like, you know, something to record on and press record on and start talking. And uh, told them told them what company to go through and stuff like that. And they randomly said, oh, by the way, how old are you? And I was like, that's so random. Like, how long have they wanted to know how old I was? was very you should have said 74. Well, I used to say for many years that I was 11. <laughs> and it started off, it started once again in the Pommy forums when people would, say, like, I'd be saying something about footy. And I'd say, like, oh, you know, this player's crap. And they'd have a go at me. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm only 11 years old. Why would you say something to an 11-year-old like that? And then I'd say something crap about a player. And they'd go back at me. And I'd say, whoa, I established I'm 11 years old. What are you doing? (laughs) Man, I was such a prick on those forums. It was really good times. (laughs) Uh, That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, well, uh, it sounds like people want more history stuff. Yeah, we'll get some more history le- lessons going. Hey, maybe we should... Um, I feel like if we wait for the second instalment of our uh, State of Origin one for whenever they play State of Origin again, that's probably the way to go. But maybe we can do the next year in the Super League saga that I guess we're putting together. It's not being called the Super League saga or the Super League war or anything, but that's kind of what we've been documenting. Pretty much. Mm. Yeah, we can we can get into that. We've got a few years left to do there. Yeah. Um, got a few other things on the back burner as well we can get into. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny, we're, we're one of the few rugby league outlets that isn't short of ideas. Yeah. And if we are short, we just, you know, we just... I don't know. Jump, shit. Yeah, we jump on here and say, how fucked are journalists? <laughs> yeah. That seems to work. Yeah, it's always it's a good, good. It's a good recipe. Right, well, uh, with that all said and done, um, and, you know, we've, had, we've got the pre-episode episode already wrapped up and done as well. Mm-hmm. Pretty much ticked all the boxes. We can wrap this one up. Excellent. I hope everyone has a Really good day. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And uh, we'll chat to you next time.